We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Client Horror Stories. I'm honored today to have FM Byers here. Well, I love going by the, uh, the initials. Reminds me of my own SM. And um, you're just telling me that you have a crazy story about China. Always a source of adventure. Let's dive right, right in. What happened, FM? Well, first, I need to provide a little bit of a backstory here. And uh, I went on a cruise with my family. This was probably back in 2014. And okay. I met a gentleman on the cruise uh, on the last day who happened coincidentally to live about 30 minutes from me here in South Florida, but who was stationed in Thailand of all places. And we just started talking on the way out when we were getting our baggage, what do you do, what do you do? And mm -hmm. he was a global sourcing agent for a big Thai company helping to drive um, the e-commerce and retail stores um, from China into Thailand. And I said, wow, that's fascinating. I love learning about new cultures and sniffing out opportunities. And I said, well, if you ever need a help with some e-commerce or digital strategy or penetrating the US market, if you should so uh, think about that, let us know. Um, and again, it turned out he was 15 minutes away from my home base. His right. family was here and he would commute back two times a year to see his family. So fast forward a little bit. I kept in touch. We started talking. He was Hold really- Hold on. I, yes. I want to interrupt with a quick question. I have no idea what's going to happen, but it's probably going to go badly because this is client horror stories. So I'm wondering, looking back on that initial meeting, were there any yellow flags or signs that, that you should have picked up on or, or, or did he really play it smooth? Not at this point, because this guy was uh, terrifically honest, um, a super smart guy. He had spent some time at a Fortune 100 company here in the States. I did do a little bit of a background, great pedigree. Um, but to me, he was the conduit to this other market, which we had talked about saying, yeah, China's a monster. We know they want to get out of their OEM focused yes. uh, perspective. So I thought maybe there's a way we could work together uh, yes. to drive more, more business. So at this point, everything systems Perfect. go. Perfect. Perfect. So we started to discuss some uh, smaller engagements. He had lots of sourcing uh, contacts in China. Remember, he was leaning on them for his Thai operation, sourcing product in China, bringing it into Thailand and selling it. And I had always been so frustrated when I open up a Amazon purchased Chinese product and look at instructions that do not make any sense are so poorly yes, written yes. and it just drives me crazy. And I'm thinking they have all this great manufacturing capability precision for the most part, won't give them as much credit as the Germans, but they do a good job of cranking out product. And so I thought, wait, 
what if we were to offer free translation services to Interesting. companies uh, just to get our foot in the door and to build a little bit of a trust because it drove me personally crazy. I'm a little bit anal retentive like you, detail oriented to see a great product out of the box and then you read the, the instructions that are littered with errors or just not clear. So I said, I'm going to change that. And we went on and, a mission to say- By the way, I've, I've even bought stuff from Amazon where the instructions are like outright in, in Chinese, like not even in English, where they just have pictures and arrows. Right. <laughs> Ikea style. But Ikea does it quite well, I think. You're giving the Chinese too much credit, in my respectful opinion. So we started to I, say- I, Wait, wait. I just, I just want to clarify, since it's 2020, there are exceptions, and there are many people there who do it awesomely and great. And and we're and we're just talking about the the certain ones who are who are less awesome. Great point. Um, it just so happened that it seemingly I used yes. to get all the products that they weren't from the good ones. <laughs> so I was on a mission to try to figure out how to help. Right. That that's that was my goal. There. Here's a way to get into this, at least for me, unknown but monster Chinese market. So I said to him why don't you offer our services for free to a couple of these uh, good contacts that you have, good personal relationships and business relationships, and let's see. So we did, and we did a couple of little tiny, uh, tiny products, projects. I hired uh, an intern uh, from China. I brought her over to, uh, to Colombia, where we're based, so that she could become the conduit with the Chinese people. We tried to do it the right way. My Chinese is nil. Yes. No one on our team speaks that. So we wanted to do it uh, as much of a first-class opportunity as we could. And we had a couple of little, little projects uh, going and it was nice. And so I thought, wow, there's something here. We started building out uh, Chinese-focused landing pages. We didn't really figure out the VChat and the, the whole, um, line digital strategy of how we could put our offer onto there because of a lot of the censorship and right. regulations right. we just didn't understand at the time. Um, and so I thought, you know what, time to pack a bag and go. So I went to the Canton show, which is held, I think, in April or May each year. It's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest trade shows, particularly for well, they have different flavors, but this one was office products and there was food and we were particularly focusing on the office products and, and furniture. Uh, so I went over there, my contact came from Thailand. We toured for uh, three days on the floor. You think CES is monster. This was something to be said in my first, not my first time in Asia, but my first time in, in, uh, in China. And I was just amazed at the opportunity. It was screaming, wow, if an American company or European or whoever could really build a great bond here, this could be a neat little business. And we honed in on one company that seemed to be interested in learning more about what we could do. And I'm not talking about improving the, the instructions in a product, I'm talking about branding. And what we learned along the way was that the Chinese are really good manufacturers, as I mentioned earlier, but they have no, and there are always exceptions here, 
but they do not understand, at least at the time back in 2015, they don't understand the word branding, the zero yes. concept. Um, so I tried with the help of my intern translator to explain the importance of, in order to establish a brand, if you wanna drive product, you're gonna have to invest in a brand. And they didn't understand that. By the way, as, as, as a minor parenthetical, having spent a lot of time in Latin America, I also think in Latin America, there's very little understanding of branding and marketing. So just taking American best practices for branding marketing and bringing it to these other countries is immensely powerful. I, uh, agreed. But if, if the US and our understanding of branding and marketing and innovation is here and Latin America is behind, then China doesn't even get a seat at the table. Oh no, even <laughs> from my perspective, right? Right, I, right, right. I'm just with experience. my optics. Yeah. I just I yeah. saw so much opportunity, great manufacturing ability, a a innate thirst to be more than just the OEM company, right? I think China finally woke up, at least in this small little sector, to say, hey, we don't want to just be the margin punished company to sell pens or furniture or do-it-yourself stuff, if we're going to become greater as a company, then we're going to have to think differently. And they didn't know how. I think they knew that they needed to, but they just couldn't get past that, that thing. So we were trying to be that person or that entity. So we spent some time in China, not only did we hit the show, but my contact there was kind enough to have us tour a lot of the businesses. And I sat in roundtable fashion with three CEOs from some very big multi-billion dollar companies there, one of whom sponsored the 2008 uh, Olympics in, in Beijing. Um, I just got right, right in the inner circle here. I had my first true Chinese Mushu pork uh, dinner in a round table. If you ever heard this, the Chinese, it's the circle of trust. All of their big important business meetings happened in round tables, not square. Can't really explain that. And I really immersed myself in this fascinating but oh so different uh, culture. There were some parts I was wowed about and there were some parts I was just sickened about. Manners being one of them, that's another story. And we, um, built some great relationships. And so with this one particular big manufacturer, we thought here's an opportunity where we can really build a brand for them. We can think differently. We can present them with a whole strategy. Mm -hmm. And while we were doing this, this is over a course of a year, um, we picked pens. There's a sexy product called pens. The ones you see in home um, in Office Depot or Max or Staples pens. and all. Just, pens. just for right. Here is one of them, just like this, yep. So I, I typed so much on the computer and phone, I'd almost forgotten what it is to write by hand. Yes, but a huge business for them. Uh, I think the largest manufacturer for US companies and Europe um, in Asia. And we toured their facility, you know, 100,000 square feet, 3,000 employees, very, very impressive. And the goal was to develop a strategy to enter the US market. We talked about Amazon. I had to give them a whole uh, dissertation on 
what that is and how to do it and um, everything that is required. But I still felt, granted there was some language barrier, but this intern that we had, she was just a super smart, unbelievably- uh, the, the intern came with you on the trip there? Yes. Yeah. Ah, that's great. She was that's in, great. in China and then she was in our Columbia office and then uh, the story gets better. So um, it was all about really trying to explain. Now, I like to think I have patience. Um, I like to think I'm an acute listener and I'm always very respectful, at least I'm told and that's what I try to live by. And over this whole time, it was a, a two year window the patience meter starts to run out. Now, mind you, this is all done on spec. Okay, so I'm doing this because I believe in it, because I because I like it. Uh, and not once was there any contractual uh, agreement. It was all verbal, let's do it. Um, the, they opened their doors in their home. I met the CEO's so, wife. It so so nothing was written, but what were you doing? You were just like developing a brand image. Were you running campaigns? Was the product being sold on Amazon? So the first step was to develop a brand, come up with a name, right. uh, the idea, just kind of present the overarching strategy so that they could understand that. And as I learned, you try to start branding 101 and it goes over their head. And the analogy I tell my kids is, you know, the Chinese think tangible like this you know the pen is a dollar ten they sell it or they pen sells for a dollar ten they make it for 22 cents and then office depot sells it for 250 whatever um here when i say okay you know initial branding concept or fifty they're like okay but what do we get for that you know yes. show me what you get i'm like no no it's it's here well can you show me no not yet until we deploy a strategy and put some thought in it and we'll come back at you with some ideas in a couple of weeks, but it kind of consists of this. And I drew stuff on a big conference uh, whiteboard that we have, and then the translator put it in Chinese, and then there was, you know, back and forth. So I was trying to explain to them step one, strategy. Step two, as you said, Morgan, was um, building out an e-commerce uh, strategy and platform. We actually built out a whole uh, e-commerce site for them once product was in the United States solely for the fact that they could see it, right? I learned the hard way that they need to see and touch things. So, okay, we can't just do spec, you know, uh, graphic images. We have to show them how it works. Click here, look at the product, put it in, put your credit card in, out spits an order, and then we say, okay, now we can ship it to the client. And I think that helped them understand that. And then the other piece, as you said, was Amazon. We're going to manage that whole thing for you. We're going to get in the door. We're going to manage that whole uh, process for you in exchange for a little piece of the action. Now, the business model that we were talking to your question, I didn't go into it totally ignorantly. I went into it more like a friend and I'm going to help you do this. But if or when we're successful, we simply want to share marginally in some success. And if yes. we do better... Uh, you do better, we do better. Like true partnership. I, I, I don't think it could have been better structured as I look back. Like very so, so, So at this point, nothing was in writing, but was there any verbal agreement as to numbers or details? Or was it just, oh, we're friends. If this does well, we're, we'll figure it out. 
No, we did have some broad strokes of the economics of, okay. of some of the investments, right? And that's when, when I laid them out, there was some indigestion. So I'd have to pivot and then I'd come back with, okay, well, if it's the upfront costs that uh, concern you so much, then I need to be a little more compensated on the back end. So we're going to have a little bit higher on the ups. Exactly. So I, I tried to just be very flexible. I'm not giving this stuff away for free. I had right, been right. warned um, politely about how this group of folks think, um, not right or wrong, just different. And I was right, trying right. To, to bridge the gap between, okay, how can I mold myself in the approach to make it a win-win? I wanted to be a, 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 an alias or, or a, um, a true friend in this. So and, question, question. Yeah. I don't know where it's going, but I'm kind of nervous on the edge of my seat here. But at, as of this point, looking back, should you have done anything differently other than other than Bell? Like I like you're swimming with sharks, and you're like, okay, I can I can I can swim with sharks. But should like should you have like insisted on a legal contract or this or that or or uh, yeah. Or, it's a good question. And I do think of that looking back. And I have to say at this point, had I done that and put a little more teeth into this for the next step, it probably would have died there, right? Just because of the temperature that I was checking along the way when I, when I talked money um, and this is the investment, it wasn't so much no, it was just they didn't understand right? Back to the point of it's, what am I paying for? I don't get it. And that's not how we work here. It's, I make a product, I sell it, FOBX, and very transactional, very clean. This so- By the way, I'll, understood. I'll add something from, from my experience. People that don't, that don't understand when you throw out big numbers that, that really don't get it. Like there's, no way to change how people think so like so like that that's that's the moment when you have to be like find someone who understands okay this is worth fifty thousand dollars yes but i was determined to try to different, love it i love your determination try to change their thinking i really wanted this to work i was enamored I, again i love different cultures i saw a big opportunity i yes. knew it was coming i mean look at look at now right china and, and amazon um, so I was determined, right? So then we took this pen concept and this is about the time that, um, emojis and, um, AR was getting yes. a little bit more. So we developed a whole concept. I don't have it. It's in the office of a pen that had stickers and the stickers then would come alive with AR. So you would collect ah, each pen like have a character. And much like the Disney coloring books, we didn't come up with the idea, of course, but we just said, hmm, you know, pens and school, they do a big business at, at school time in uh, August, September. Let's come up with a really neat way to market this pens uniquely. And then we can do like the licensing. So we actually went out, I bought a very expensive domain name that uh, lend itself to this. We developed prototypes, we put packaging together and they liked it, right? We, we went over there, we showed it to them and they said, wow, this is, this is interesting. So one of their biggest clients 
is Walmart. And they said, why don't you come out to Bentonville or Ar wherever they are in Arkansas and let's pitch this. So I got on a plane. We prepared a whole package. Oh, I yeah, went, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I went with their, this part isn't scary. And I don't know if, well, I'll, I'll continue. We um, met their sales person out there and salesperson is calling it a little bit um, genuinely overly stating that role. I think they're more of a, he was more nice guy, but order taker. And that's what I've learned that they, they're just, they are there Walmart or whoever dictates the price. They say, can I do it? Or can I not? There was no merchandising. There was no passion in the sale. There was nothing. And I was doing this. And what the hell do I know about pens in the school market? Nada. Only what I had learned touring their facility and my yeah. quick reading. I was, I was totally disadvantaged, but I tried my best to do it. And the Walmart buyer uh, was impressed with the concept. He had never seen it before, or so he said. And it was very well thought out. Our team did a super job in preparing all sorts of prototypes that worked. And I actually showed it to him. I could give me your phone and do this. And here's the sticker that the kid can collect. And here's the pens. And we really did a fantastic job um, of doing this. And this wasn't even the $50,000 branding idea to get it going. This would have been you know, a nice six digit whole concept. Yeah. Uh, program. And again, I was just determined to, to make yeah. this happen. And in typical um, fashion, as I learned, answers are never given right away. They need to take it back and they have to review it. So we didn't hear um, much for a while, but they were still selling pens and we were pretty enamored with the idea. Another six months go by, we're still working on this. I decide looking back maybe a little um, erroneously to get a little more feedback. So I introduced this concept of these stickers and these emojis that come into to life with the AR into the class curriculum at my children's school. And I was able to convince administration to make this part of the class so that we could get real feedback from kids. I wonder what do I know or our team know about what yeah. makes an emoji tick. So I hired somebody and every week he would go into the school working with the teacher. It was a uh, innovation and, and uh, entrepreneurialism class, eighth graders. And their whole challenge was to pick the pens that they liked the most. And the team in China sent us a crate of every pen they ever made. Magic markers, permanent pens, ballpoint. I learned so much about pens that I um, now I'm pretty knowledgeable. And the whole goal was to get feedback so that I could go back and say next time, well, in this focused study, the 25 students believe that these are the best pens for their need in the US market. And here are the 10 little emojis that come up with stickers. They developed them. One was goat, greatest of all time, and some other ones I can't remember now, but certainly things that I or our team couldn't couldn't think about and but but by the way two points Bader Meinhof I just yesterday learned the phrase goat 
greatest of all time. So it's fun, it's funny that 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 uh, that you mentioned it now, literally yesterday. Secondly, I actually think this makes you look great because, like, you still want to make it happen. You're going to your children's school, coming up with ways to figure it out. Like, it makes me want to work with you. So, so this is awesome. So then, uh, this goes on for three months. And we finally have some ideas uh, that we're ready to present. We convince, my contact convinces the sales rep who is based in California to invite the CEO from China to come here to our office. And we wanted to showcase everything. We also had him tour the school. It's like a, a presidential entourage. So he came with his assistants. Wow. And I mean, this guy sponsored the Chinese Olympics. He's you know pretty big deal in, in, in China. And we thought, how cool would this be for number one, for him to see what the uh, US education is like, for us to learn what he thinks of it, and to see this in action. So we coordinated the whole event with school. Everything was timing because his time was, was, was precious. He came with an entourage of five people all the things and he went into school and we showed him the class actually working on his pens and his products. Really neat. And I remember one thing he said to the intern assistant or the um, translator, wow, your kids here can talk in school. And I said, yeah, of course. And he said, that's not allowed in China. Like our kids are there wow. pictures, right? But it just, it became reality to me Wow! like this and they don't spoke unless they don't speak unless spoken to. So he got a different sense, not his first time in the U S of course, but I'm sure it was his first time in a uh, school. In a school. Um, and again, we wanted to show him that we were not just thinking about this off the cuff. This was a an orchestrated, lots of investment, time, research, validation, participation. The target market is the one driving this. I, I couldn't have scripted it better, I think. And during his trip here, this was the time where I was gonna, I'm, I'm closing this damn deal, right? We're gonna lay it out here. We've got the product, we have the prototype. We're waiting for a buyer in middle of America, a big buyer to say yes, and this is great. When I had been in China, um, I had taken sense of what makes him tick. I looked at the artifacts on his desk and listened to some of the things he said. So I found a restaurant right here in this area of South Florida that was right up his alley, very um, Asian, Buddhas, incense, uh, got a table, this is great, and asked our um, translator to uh, join us for this very special dinner, and it was me and her from China and then five in his entourage. And I remember him coming into our office the first time and being very surprised and disappointed. You know, why? I mean, we have, you know, a couple thousand square feet office in this, in this business location here. It's, uh, it's all here, right? And computers, that's all we need. Over there, 100,000 square feet, tons of people, manufacturing he couldn't understand hey this is the company that is doing this and i could see like disappointment right he expected big land property uh, people running around a cafeteria and it just didn't really resonate well with him so i sensed 
hmm, a little disappointment there. Given that he had to fly out early next morning and time was precious, we had come up from Columbia at three o'clock, dinner was at seven and we met in the office for two hours. I said, let's go, let's go for dinner. So we drove for dinner and we were talking and light talk, um, but it really wasn't going very well. Back to the conference room, it's eight or so, nine o'clock. I pull out the, uh, um, the proposal, the translator helps convey it. I'm trying really desperately to explain all this work, to rekindle two years of work here. Um, he jumps up on the board, he writes in all this Chinese that I didn't understand, and it started to get heated because he viewed this as nothing more than we should be doing it uh, all, and there should be no upfront fees whatsoever, we should be investing in the product, almost like a, a reseller or affiliate. We're buying it all and taking the risk, figuring out the supply with or without Amazon. And it just went south. And I, I remember I, I had this deck that I had shared with them in piecemeal, which mirrored what we showed on the screen. Right. And I've never done this in my life, but I actually just threw it at them. And mind you, this is one of the most recognized or powerful Chinese CEOs in this particular industry. And I said, why don't we just fucking pay you to have the ability to work with you? And there was wow. silence there. I don't think they needed to get the translation because my body language and the deck thrown across the room that landed in his lap uh, said it all. I, I was just disgusted with my inability or their lack of understanding. And that is kind of how it ended. Um, never chatted with them again. They went back. It was a, you know, a very respectful thank you. But all that work and great ideas just poof, evaporated. So I know it really didn't end like maybe you were thinking with a horrific client story. It was probably more of a agency horror story of all of the, the things that I was so passionate about, but just couldn't, couldn't pull off. And now we fast forward. Oftentimes we'll have a debrief on what projects went well and what projects went uh, wrong or what we could have done differently. And I look now and my summary is that we were just three or four years too early, because now there are so many companies that are doing this for Chinese and they're paying much more than what we had proposed and less of a performance-based model. And we were just too early. So interesting, a couple of thoughts. First on, on how, how it ends, um, reminds me of T.S. Eliot's poem, The Hollow Men, that ends with the, uh, the great line says, this is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And, 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 and I always remember Elliot's last line there, because you always think everything has like this big, powerful ending, nuclear bomb drops and it's all over. Right. But more commonly, you know, like ghosts disappear, this tension gets quiet, like things end with whimpers, not, not, not bangs. So there's a, there, a T.S. Eliot style poetry to, uh, to the ending. Um, second thought, 
I'm so cynical and I've seen so much sketchiness in my time. I wouldn't be surprised if now some of these emoji pencils that you see around is the same company uh, just doing that on their own. Yeah, we, we always were worried about that, you know, whole take the idea and run, particularly with the Chinese, but they're, they're good people. Uh, I knew that the challenge was they just didn't understand. I mean, and as you said early on, nothing that I was going to do or say was going to change their mind in the year and a half that we, we worked with them. It just, it didn't resonate. The mentality was just so different. And I like to think this may sound like a uh, unfair statement, but generally speaking, I believe this side of the world thinks about things a little differently, just innovation outside the box. And there, from the many that I thought, it's just, it's a one track mind and they are great at it. They are OEM, you know, machines, but thinking outside that to change their perspective of, oh, I can develop a brand and I can actually sell it for more than my, you know, 10% margin was a huge stretch for them. They just couldn't get out of their own box. They were so comfortable just in that role. And, and there, as I learned, it's all about legacy businesses. The father leaves it to the son, the son leaves it to the other son. And for them to do that successfully and, and, and thrive in this world or just continue to exist, they had to get out of that mindset. Otherwise they're gonna be crushed from my perspective. So I don't know, it was a, it's a bittersweet thing, super learning opportunity, but boy, did we, uh, did we fail. So let's talk about, about lessons from this and lessons we group into two categories, like what to avoid, but I think the more interesting one is, is when you're in this situation, are there things you, things you could have done differently? Like for, for example, would there have been different negotiation strategies or ways if you had a two-year plan saying, okay, well, this is for two years, could you have done anything differently from day one to have a different ending? Or is it, this is how they think and, and, like, and like play it their way or, or, or don't play at all? As I look back from what I can remember, I think we had come up with about five different business models that um, were there for entertaining. Um, there was always some sort of upfront because I believe, look, if you're gonna be a partner here, you gotta have some skin in the game. And I think at one point it was maybe like one tranche was, okay, 10 grand for the initial something. I, I just wanted them to commit something. And it was less about the money this is a very big company and money was not an issue just parting with it was really right. really tough for them um, because they didn't understand it so I, I really tried Morgan so many different ways to have them get comfortable with this and know that we're taking most of the risk we've already spent hundreds of thousands not high hundreds but time probably a, a, a low six-digit number in market rates developing all this huge opportunity so, cost con. so i'm trying i'm trying to uh, come up with lessons here one interesting lesson could be it's often a good strategy to get someone to pay something up front even if it's small because like once you get once you get them to pay something then it's just a negotiation about whether you pay this or 10x this so but uh, i said 
He said differently, it's hard, it's harder to go from zero to one than it is to go from one to 10. So maybe one strategy for next situation like this is really focus it all on getting even tight, like even $10,000 for this, like from, like from, from day, from day, num and day number one, because as you point out, some like money is a sign of seriousness. You're absolutely right. Um, but I just think whether it was a thousand or five or 10, it wouldn't have done they, because what am I getting? Well, you're, you're getting a whole strategy and a look and all this stuff. Look, look at this, look at this pen that does 3d. That's what you're getting. And they didn't get it or, or to be fair, we just yeah. didn't explain it right. But to me, you see it like what, what else is there to explain? Look, I just took your pen. I made, I made a very unsexy pen. Very, very cool. Now something that we think the kids should like at least. Right. And it wasn't just me thinking that it was the kids who had been working on this project for three months saying, now that's a pen I would want. So I thought that the actions would talk, the actions would justify that. And it didn't. Um, I would say there's, an, um, another lesson here is there's an old saying that it might just be a New York thing because I've only ever heard New Yorkers say it, uh, which is uh, something like, if you look around the room and you don't know who the sucker is, it's you. <laughs> and, uh, and it could be that people that have that mentality where uh, we're like, uh, where, okay, someone's a sucker, who am I going to take advantage of? Like, you cannot do business with those people unless you have that same mentality. Like when, you, when you're all thinking alike, then it's a game and everyone's playing the same game. But what kind of happens here is you're trying to play this type of game and they're trying to play that type of game. And they're just, it's just like, if, you, if someone tries to play basketball while you're trying to play soccer against them, it's gonna be a confused mess. <laughs> Wait, do I throw the ball or do I kick it? <laughs> True. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's um, it was a great learning experience. And to your point, yeah, now uh, we don't do anything without, you know, something. Um, but I but I always try to think, or at least this has helped me be somewhat successful along the way. Sometimes you have to take risks. I, I've learned that, and you know, tons of strikeouts I've had, and I'll probably make many more. But some of the best relationships for me have been fostered by going out on a limb and taking a risk and, and putting myself out there, not in the Asian market, because that's different, but certainly, you know, here in, in North and South America, um, some of the best relationships have, have been that way because we're genuine and we want to create value. And maybe it was just a language barrier overall. I mean, I don't know. There were so many variables here that we couldn't control. We were in a new market. Um, it was just, maybe it was never going to happen. And to your earlier question, I probably should have just aborted, but I'm one stubborn New Yorker myself, and I was determined to try to make this work. Yeah. I think for, for me personally, I think like when there are a lot of different risk factors on top of each other, like they compound and it, may, and it makes it less likely. What I like to my risk strategy is I'll do one thing very, very risky, and then I'll like minimize all the all the, all the risks around it. So uh, 
so that's uh so it's it's a challenge when there's like this problem and this one and and um and this one uh, well uh this was a this was a great story and definitely a good uh, a good le a learning experience and um it's a it's a good reminder that when you try to take on a client or do any sort of work that just has wildly different expectations to be clear on these expectations as early as as early as possible and the more different the expectations and work styles of theirs from yours the more likely it is to uh, to blow up in, uh, in in one form or another that's that's my high level takeaway from uh, I think that's an, an excellent summary where where were you in 2015 when I could have called the Morgan hotline and said <laughs> I need some help um yeah you're right you hit it yeah well uh luckily because you like taking taking risks and this world is full of more exciting opportunities and experiences than than ever I, I'm here to call next time <laughs> <laughs> great and we're going to continue to take risks I can assure you that they're just going to be much more calculated and 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 cautious um I'm never going to lose the innate fire in the belly that we have and the culture that I try to foster here with the team about taking risks because some wins come with them. And as long as we can protect the downside of, of those that we miss, I'm okay with that. But great learning moments. And thank you as always for your, your great infinite wisdom. I really enjoyed listening to the other client horror stories. Um, this is great. So thank you. You're now my digital therapist. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure the editor doesn't edit that out. I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to play that role. It's been it's been fun chatting, and to to be continued. I'll stop the recording now. <laughs>